All right, guys, again, just a reminder, if you did not get a handout back there, please uh, go back there and get one. It'll be much easier to follow along with what we're doing this morning. Our 11th character trait that we want to uh, look at this morning that, again, is as the others were foundational, I believe, to us uh, being able to man up truly is the topic of courage. And I think another major component, as the other things we've discussed so far, to building a stable and inspired course as a man is understanding the importance, and I'm going to emphasize the word importance, of exercising courage. When it is necessary, exercising courage. And courage is defined as the ability to do that which frightens you. Let me say that again, because I think a lot of times the idea of courage is very misconstrued today. Courage is the ability to do that which frightens you. Because when something is causing us to be fearful or afraid, it works, does it not, to kind of deter me or deter you from acting or to keep us from becoming involved. That's typically what happens. Whatever the type of fear, fear causes us to be deterred from acting or becoming involved. So it requires, therefore, the exercise of courage to act even when something is intimidating or to still act or to do what's right even when we find ourselves being afraid of something or going through with something. So courage, please hear me, courage is not the absence of fear. Courage is the willingness to face fear and to push past intimidating pressure in order to do the right thing. So It's not, and please don't let yourself get confused by this, it is not this false macho image to act like you're not afraid of anything. If that's a struggle for you, then I would encourage you go back and re-listen to our last session on the subject of humility. Because if you have this idea in your mind or you were raised by your father or other men around you in the world giving the impression that this false macho image to act like nothing makes me afraid, I never get intimidated by anything, I never show my fear to anyone, and you never struggle with fear, that would just make you proud and a liar. Because fear is normal to every human being. It does not matter who you are, and granted some may be perhaps a little bit more you know, brave in regards to you know, not getting as fearful as easy, but just because we're men does not mean that we're not going to face fear and be at times intimidated or afraid. There will be things that legitimately will frighten us at times that make us scared, that cause us to feel worried or nervous, That is simply a part of being human. Fear is real for everybody. It's how we respond to fear that's the determining factor. It's how we respond to fear that determines whether or not we are going to be men of courage. In fact, it is very accurate to say we cannot truly exercise courage or bravery unless you are experiencing fear. If you're not experiencing fear or you're not intimidated or you don't find yourself being nervous or afraid, then you're really not exercising courage. Because again, back to our definition, courage is the ability to do that which frightens you. One of the first verses I put in our handout there is from God's word to Joshua. And you remember the story of Joshua who took over for Moses. Joshua, remember, was a 
military commander. And he was a military commander who became a military commander because he started out as a soldier doing battle and combat zones in the midst of ancient warfare. And not that I'm diminishing those who, and I have an incredible amount of respect for those who serve in combat in the armed forces, but if we think about the realities of ancient warfare, we're talking about a time before they were pulling triggers on guns and firing long-range artillery and things of that nature. These were men rushing in to battles in you know two multitudes converging together, swinging swords and clubs. And sh- I mean, we're talking about brutal, very scary hand-to-hand combat just right up close and, and very, very harsh things. Extremely cruel forms of warfare, scary, brutal combat in ancient warfare. And Joshua had experienced this time and time and time again. So he was a battle-hardened soldier. He was not the kind of guy, I'm sure, that you would want to mouth off to. Or I mean, Joshua could handle himself. He was the ancient Rambo, if you would, if you want to picture in your mind. Yet he was facing a next step as a circumstance in his life, particularly it was taking over the leadership of the nation of Israel and taking the people into the promised land and all the giants in the land and the battles that lay ahead. And as he was facing a next circumstance and step in his life, it was causing him fear. As a battle-hardened man, a combat-hardened soldier, the next circumstance that he was facing in life was something he had never done before. It was outside of his comfort zone, and he legitimately was fearful and nervous. He was intimidated by the pressures and the responsibilities because he was about to do something he had never done before. And he felt completely ill-equipped. He felt very intimidated, and he was legitimately afraid. And that is why, if you look in your notes, the Lord said to Joshua, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, that is, discouraged, disheartened. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Notice, God does not say something in a vain way. So when God says to someone, don't be afraid, it doesn't take being a Bible scholar, what's going on? Somebody's afraid, right? (laughs) You don't have to be a Bible scholar. If God's going to say to you, don't be afraid, what God, and I don't know, maybe Joshua was much like you and I, maybe he had a pal, his pride, his anger and his lust, just like every other male human being who struggled with their sin nature, and maybe Joshua, and look, maybe even more as a battle-hardened commander with many troops under his authority and leadership, and knowing now he's become the next leader, maybe Joshua, to a degree, is outwardly giving the image that he's not terrified, that he's not feeling a bit insecure and nervous, and I don't know how to do this. I've never done this before, and I don't know, but, but the Lord knew he was afraid, and the Lord could see that he was nervous and that he was worried, and he was genuinely struggling with fear over what he was facing in his life, and so the Lord says to him, listen, don't be afraid. I don't want you to be afraid, and I don't want you to be disheartened and discouraged and think that this is going to result in failure. He says, you be strong and of good courage. In other words, Joshua, I want you to exercise the ability to do this even though it frightens you. I want you to walk forward 
in strength and in confidence and face your fear and follow through and I will be with you. I'll be with you. You just step forward into this and I will be with you to give you what you need. And so again, courage is when people are legitimately feeling concerns, worry, natural fears, but are able to overcome that fear so that fear doesn't stop them or so that being afraid doesn't paralyze them from taking action. found a great quote from John Wayne. Many of you remember who he was from years ago. John Wayne said this. He said, courage is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. That's good, isn't it? Courage is being scared to death, but saddling up anyway. So again, being scared, but able to manage it. Being fearful, intimidated, worried, but still moving through it, moving past it, not letting the fear paralyze us, not letting the worry or fear hinder us. Bethany Hamilton, who's a Christian surfer, you may remember her years ago, she suffered a shark attack and lost her right arm while she was out in the water and then relearned how to surf afterwards, which was quite courageous of her to go back out into the water after the, you know, the, the traumatic experience and learned how to surf again rather than being fearful and staying out of the ocean forever. And she said this, she said, courage doesn't mean that you don't get afraid. Courage simply means you don't let fear stop you. So again, being willing to act even though we feel threatened by danger or disapproval or risk, we persevere through the hardship, through the difficulty, the intimidation, uh, and about exercising bravery when necessary to push past the fears to still do that right thing because we see a higher purpose. So uh, just to consider some examples of courage, it's going to be looking like things like, for example, as I alluded to, that soldier who enters into a combat zone, even though clearly there's risks and dangers and possible harm, but courage is what helps the soldier to still enter to the combat zone. Courage is what gives you know, the initial new law enforcement officer or maybe even the veteran law enforcement officer to run into danger and to run into gunfire when everybody else is running away from gunfire because they're a human being. But it's the courage that says, yeah, that looks scary, but I have a duty to do here. <laughs> and I have to saddle up anyway and, and, and head into that situation. Courage sometimes looks like confronting something or maybe confronting someone over what's wrong, even though we know there may be an angry reaction when we confront something that's wrong or confront something that may be wrong or someone, but we have the courage to still do it anyway. Sometimes it looks like standing up and doing what's right. Sometimes it's necessary to have courage to obey God because maybe God's asking us to do something that's outside of our comfort zone or it's something that maybe is an act of obedience and it's really causing us to struggle, but sometimes it takes courage to know, look, whether I've never done this before or not, if God's telling me to do it, I need to obey God. And, and like Joshua, I need to do what God's telling me to do and trust that God will help me and give me the grace and power to accomplish what he's asking. Sometimes courage, I think, looks like just carrying onward and going through with something when it seems like maybe it's impossible to succeed. And sometimes we face a situation like that where we're looking at it on paper and we're going, yeah, that basically looks like a train wreck. I, 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 that basically looks like there is no way possible that that is going <laughs> to succeed, 
but maybe we know it is something that we are still supposed to do, so we bravely go forward, we take a venture, we try it still, even if it might fail. And we don't let the fear of failure or the fear of embarrassment or the fear of what if it doesn't work out paralyze us from trying. We're taking a step still. We're stepping forward into something. Sometimes it is just carrying onward to go through with something and just being willing to, even if we see a scary forecast, instead of running away and hiding, that even though maybe we see the storm cloud brewing in front of us in something, that we don't let the scary forecast make us go run for shelter, but instead we stay it through the storm. And even though we see the storm, or maybe the storm comes against us, we face the challenges and obstacles and courageously press forward. Maybe it's being uncomfortable or intimidated because you've never done something before. But as I said, we step forward. We don't let that paralyze us. Or maybe you've been assigned recently, I don't know, some task, and you're looking at that task, and you know what's been assigned for you to do, but you're afraid. The key is overcoming that because you realize, look, I have a duty here. Something's been assigned to me. That duty is more important than my fear of how to handle it or what may happen and you move forward because of that in courage. Franklin Roosevelt said this. He said, courage is not the absence of fear, but rather the assessment that something else is far more important than fear. Let me read that again. It's not the absence of fear, but it's the assessment courage is, that something else is far more important than fear. And as men, I think God wants us to exercise courage to be brave, to hold the line. I believe firmly that men are expected, if you haven't got this in the first 10 sessions so far, I believe men are expected to do harder things. I believe it's part of the reason you have testosterone coursing through your bloodstream. Because we're expected in masculinity to man up and to do harder things. It's part of the reason God wired you and created you to be a man to embrace difficult tasks. It's what we have our masculinity for. Facing hard and intimidating things should be part of our simple assignment as men. It's part of what we are as males. We are not to be cowardly, which is the opposite of courage. Cowards are those who selfishly preserve their own well-being. Cowards are those who shrink back because they say, that's going to be too difficult. I just can't handle that. That's going to be too hard. And cowards are those who do the exact opposite of what those who have courage do. They say it's too hard to handle. It's too hard to do the right thing. And so they cop out or they run away or they don't follow through or they shrink back and hide behind the skirt of their wife or they pull back and let other people do the hard thing and handle the hard situation while they slip away quietly in their cowardice. And as men, we're not to be abandoning those who need us. Whether it's our wives, our families, people that depend upon us, we're to face our fears and to work through them in maturity and to be loyal, to be courageous, to confront our fears and move forward. As men, we need to have steel in our backbone 
and courageously man up when it's needed. I love 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13, just the way it's stated, particularly, I believe it's the New King James Version I have there. It says, watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave or courageous. Translations change that differently. Be brave or courageous, be strong. And I believe I put in your notes there, that term, be brave or courageous, literally in the original language, it literally could be translated be men. How cool is that? That the Holy Spirit of God put a statement in the scripture where he's saying, be brave, be courageous, be strong. And literally, he's equating being courageous and being strong with saying, be a man. Be men. You have the ability to exercise courage. We have to be willing to exercise it. Abraham Lincoln said it this way. I think it's a great quote. He said, be sure you put your feet in the right place, then stand firm. He went on to say, I am a slow walker, but I never walk back. I like that. And think of Abraham Lincoln's life and some of his accomplishments and some of the things he confronted, some of the real hardships and kind of scary approaches and things he was able to push through and accomplish and how fitting of him to be able to say, put your feet in the right place, then stand firm, take a stand. And I like the balance of him, the wisdom is a man. I'm a slow walker, he said. I admit it. I'm a slow walker. But he says, but I don't ever walk back. Once I take a step in the right direction and I know it's the right thing to do, he says, I don't let anybody walk me backwards. You know, as an older man, we see Paul challenging Timothy, his mentor, uh, one he was mentoring as a younger man, Timothy seemed to struggle with passivity and timidness. And, and so Paul's a man of an older generation speaking to Timothy. One of the things he said to him, it's in your notes there, 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. The Bible tells us that, that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power of love and of a sound mind. And that's Paul writing to Timothy there. Paul writing 2 Timothy chapter uh, 1, 2, 3, and 4, understand 2 Timothy, we believe, is Paul's last letter before he died. And people's dying words are very, very important. I've been around the deathbed of people way more times than I would have liked to have been. It's a very difficult process, both with personal family as well as, obviously, in pastoral ministry and you know, over two decades, almost 25 years now. And, and you hear some really powerful things that get said when people are declining and they know they're about to pass. People start talking in ways and saying things and sharing things that are very meaningful because all the other stuff just kind of just isn't very essential. So I'm saying this to say this. If you really want to hear the heart of this spiritual giant, Paul the Apostle, it's one of the reasons I love 2 Timothy because it's Paul's last letter. It's his dying words. He's pouring out his heart. And very interesting, think of all Paul did and all his ministry and the churches he planted, churches, plural, all the letters he wrote to churches. And when Paul has his dying words, he speaks to one man. He doesn't address a church. Shows you what Paul cared about. He pours himself into one young man who he sees as a potential replacement of himself, wanting to replicate himself. And he speaks into Timothy's life, and here's one of the things he said to him. Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear, 
but of power of love and of a sound mind. In other words, when we have a spirit that becomes ruled by fear, we're being dominated or controlled by fear, the origin of that, God's word tells us, is not from God. So when I get fearful or I'm anxious or worried or something's intimidating me, and that fear then begins to take control of me mentally, emotionally, and it starts ruling over me, and now it's driving me or it's dominating my decisions or it's controlling my behavior or it's making me hesitate or paralyzing me from acting and and addressing or handling something in a right way, the Bible says when our spirit is ruled by fear, he says, that's not from God. That's not God doing that, So, which tells us it's something that needs to be dealt with and reconciled and overcome. But he says that God has given to us instead a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. In other words, God's spirit inspires in the inner nature, not fear and worry, but these things, a spirit inwardly of power. The idea there, the word could be translated a spirit of influence, That is, instead of being controlled by fear, I step forward as God's spirit gives me boldness and I try and influence the situation in a right direction through leadership, through doing right things in the midst of what may be hard and scary. It gives us, God's spirit does, his Holy Spirit gives to us a spirit of love. The spirit of God, he gives to us the love of God in our heart, which helps me again, and this is the opposite of fear, Because as the Spirit of God gives me a spirit of concern, the love he gives me makes me put the welfare of other people before the welfare of myself. And that's what helps the person go from struggling with cowardice to being courageous. Because the coward says, I only care about myself and my comfort and my own welfare. The man of courage says, you know what? But I love others and I care about others more than myself. So therefore, because of my love for my wife, for my kids, for my family, for my comrades, for I, I, I'm going to, in love, be courageous. And I'm going to push through this and overcome my fear and do the right thing in this given situation. And God's Spirit gives to us as well a sound mind. The idea is being self-controlled, a sound mind, able to take control of thoughts and worries. And that's where the battle's always at, isn't it? It's in our minds, and it's in our emotions, even though some men like to act like we don't have emotions. I'm secure enough in my masculinity to say I have emotions. Because God has emotions. And again, the sound mind is able to say, my emotions are doing this within me, my mind is saying this, but God's spirit is telling me, look, be self-controlled, Tony. You can walk in the spirit and have self-control and overcome those thoughts, overcome those feelings, and execute and do the right thing. And Paul was reminding Timothy as a man of God, I believe, Timothy, as a young man, let me help you as an older man, sometimes there's not room for making fearful excuses. He's saying, Timothy, please don't do the fearful excuse-making thing. I've been scared. I know you're scared. No fearful excuse-making. Do the right thing, son. Follow through, execute, have courage. And as men, God knows that we need this at times. So again, as men, we want to have courage in many different ways. Sometimes we need to have courage to just be who we are, to be the real you all the time, to not let yourself become a chameleon where you change with your circumstances, whether it's in our jobs or with other men around us who are worldly, that we're just, we are who we are all the time. If you're a follower of Jesus, then stinking man up and be a follower of Jesus. (laughs) Not everybody's going to like you anyway. Just be a follower of Jesus. 
They're not going to like you for one reason or the other. They're going to mock you. At least Miles will get mocked for a good reason. To me, it takes way more courage to stand up for the Lord than it does to act like it. Just be a man of courage and be who you are all the time. You're a Christian. Be a committed Christian. No matter who you're with and who you're among, be brave and have integrity and be secure in who you are in the Lord. Jesus hung naked on a cross and was spit on and abused and mocked and tortured on my behalf. Certainly, I can have courage to represent him and to stand for him. And so, again, that's a natural fear. We, we, we struggle with that, that you know, peer pressure and, and want to be accepted. And even as we struggle with that. That little 12-year-old, embarrassed, intimidated, that don't leave us sometimes. And so sometimes God wants us to just be who we are, and it takes courage to do that all the time, and we need courage to walk that out. Sometimes we have to have courage, guys, to embrace when we're wrong. And I don't know about you, but I know for me sometimes that takes not only humility, but also courage. When you're wrong, admit you're wrong. Acknowledge you're wrong. Take ownership and bring to the attention of others when you're wrong before your wrong gets exposed by someone else. It takes way more courage rather than a wait to get caught to blow the horn on yourself, to admit if you failed or acknowledge when you're wrong, and then have the courage to responsibly work to change. Stop excuse making, because that's one thing areas where sometimes we struggle is we'll do what's wrong and we know there needs to be change, but a lot of times the reason why I find some men never change or they never course correct is because they simply don't have the courage to just put in the hard work to stop making excuses and to break the cycle and change. Whether that's repentance, whether it takes discipline, whether it takes leadership, we can incorporate all, but it takes the courage to say, you know what, I need to stop making excuses and I need to change. And I need to be willing to work on that change. Sometimes it takes courage as men to stand up for others, to be that protector and defender. I put in your notes there, Proverbs 31. Verse 8 and 9, that exhorts us, speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves, for the rights of all who are destitute, speak up and judge fairly, defend the rights of the poor and needy. So sometimes as men, we should be those who stand up to assist and protect those who can't protect themselves. That may be our daughters, that may be our children, that may be our wives, it just may be others around us that we see who are being manipulated or bullied, and sometimes as men, I think we should have the courage to be the advocates when we see that happening, someone vulnerable, being hurt, wounded, taken advantage of, to step forward in a situation and to defend, whether it's defending a lady or defending a child or whatever that may be. And I think another great area to really focus on trying to be courageous as men is that we don't ever allow ourselves as men to shrink back from our adult responsibilities as males. God help us to not stay a perpetual boy. The Peter Pan syndrome is destroying up and coming generations. God does not want us to stay a perpetual little boy. God wants us to become men, to embrace our destiny, to take our male responsibilities properly, to become the man God intends for us to be, as I said earlier, to face hard things despite the cost, to embrace scary struggles but work through the scary struggles, to be intimidated to have to deal with things, but yet we're able to overcome them like a grown man and not to walk away or to run away or to cower and make excuses 
in cowardice, but to recognize I'm a man. I need to handle this because I'm the man. I need to address this. I love the statement there in 1 Samuel 4, 9, just the way the Holy Spirit lays it out as as an exhortation regarding warfare, but I just love the way it's stated. I put it in your notes there, 1 Samuel 4, 9. says, be strong and conduct yourselves like men. <laughs> it's a great little Bible verse to remember sometimes. Be strong and conduct yourselves like men. David challenged as well his young son Solomon to embrace his destiny as a man as he was coming up as a young man. And David was a rather hardened combat soldier himself, a lot of ancient warfare. And David watched Solomon being raised, and perhaps he saw a part of Solomon that was a little bit maybe more soft, and he was kind of trying to call the man out of him. He knew that he was destined to, to build the Lord's temple, and there would be challenges and hardships and complications and conflict and difficulty to construct the temple and people trying to override him. And, and so David said to him there in your notes, 1 Samuel 28, consider now, for the Lord has chosen you to build a house for the sanctuary, be strong and do it. In other words, Solomon, you know what the Lord has chosen and called you to do, but here's what I can't do for you, son. I can't be strong for you your whole life. You now have to be strong yourself, and you have to do the right thing yourself, and you have to learn how to take responsibility to fulfill your destiny and your calling. And again, but I love that picture, and I wasn't blessed to have sons. I'm blessed to now have son-in-laws. I only had daughters, but I think, you know, as a father, if you have a son, one of the primary callings God has given to you is to call the man out of your boy. And I'm not saying you should do that when they're three years old. I do think you should facilitate letting them be masculine and let the testosterone flood through their veins and not say, well, there's something wrong with them, toxic masculinity. No, it's called biological masculinity. Shut up. People want to say toxic masculinity in a very misconstrued way because what I believe many are trying to do is to create a weak, feminine, passive generation that can just be dominated and ruled because nobody will stand up for righteousness and nobody will stand up for what's right and say, yes, I'm a man, I don't agree with that, and if it means that I need to become physical or even violent or aggressive to stop evil, I'm not afraid to do that. And again, this is all blown out of proportion. But, but I think as raising young boys, if God gives you the privilege to raise sons, raise them to become comfortable with their masculinity and just to learn to channel. We just need to learn to channel our masculinity. Not disregard it. It's not inherently wrong. It just needs to be channeled with self-control and meekness and discipline and, and the things that we've spoken about. But at the same time, there is a critical thing that needs to happen whereas a son is being raised or a young boy is being mentored to gradually and continually as they progress to keep calling the man out of them. And to let them feel that responsibility and to train them in a way and relate to them in a way that is different than a young girl. And it's in a completely different process. And I love how David here seemed to be doing that. Again, our courage, the wonderful thing, can be rooted in an awareness that God is with us. And that's why I put Deuteronomy 31 in your notes there, because here's where courage really can have its root system that we're not alone. 
That would make me way more terrified at times if I knew I had to do everything alone. But Deuteronomy 31, verse 6 to 8, be strong and of good courage. Do not fear or be afraid. Here's the key. For the Lord your God, he is the one who goes with you. Oh, Lord, I don't, I've never done this. God's going to go with you. He's not going to abandon you. He doesn't turn around and run around in the battlefield. If he's led you into something, he'll go with you in it. He will not leave you or forsake you. Then Moses called Joshua and said to him in the sight of all Israel, here was the exhortation to Joshua, be strong and of good courage, for you must go with this people into the land your Lord and God has sworn to the fathers to give them, and you shall cause them through his leadership to inherit it. And the Lord, he is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. Do not fear nor be dismayed. You notice the continuous repetition there of the Spirit of God in the midst of that portion of Scripture. Do the right thing. Have courage. Be strong. The reason, God's with you. God's with you. He won't leave you. He won't forsake you. Even when you want to run, he won't. <laughs> if you do run, he'll chase you and bring you back <laughs> like Jonah. God's with us. And that can be really the root system of our ability to walk in courage at times. There are going to be times when we're nervous and afraid. That's okay. Acknowledge it. Isaiah 41 verse 10 says it this way. God says, fear not for I am with you. Do not be dismayed. I am your God. I will strengthen you. Lord, I'm too weak. God says, I'll strengthen you. Yes, I'll help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So how wonderful that we're not acting alone. It's about depending upon God, relying that he will be faithful, though, though we may be unable to do it ourselves. that God can give us an ability to do things. The Bible promises us with God, nothing is impossible. The Bible also tells us with God, all things are possible. That's a great two-sided coin to have in your pocket. The key there is with God. That's the key part of those two statements in those two Bible verses, with God. If you're with God, nothing is impossible and all things are possible. Without God, the exact opposite is true. But how wonderful to have God in our life. And one of the best things I would encourage from my own experience, if it's of help to you, is to say this, feed on God's word because that is what will fill your heart with faith. The Bible tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. That's why reading your Bible every single day and as often as you can and feel led to by the Lord, being in a church where the word of God is being consistently taught and poured into your life, that will strengthen and grow your faith. And faith is the opposite of fear. Faith is what helps us overcome fear. Faith is what enables us really to overcome cowardly reservations. It's what helps us to say, you know, by faith, I'm going to step forward even though there's some fear or some uncertainty. And as we read God's word, our heart is built up and fed in a way where faith further grows and develops within us so we can exercise that even in the area of courage. For example, I believe I put a few in your Notes there in the book of Exodus, Moses, great example. Moses, remember, he was fearful that the people would reject his leadership. God told him what to do. What was his first response? Lord, I can't go. I, I can't speak. And what if the people reject me? What if they don't you know, want me to be there? And, and right away, he was facing intimidation 
that the people would not respond to his leadership. He was feeling fearful. But what did Moses do? He, in obedience and faith, exercised courage. He walked forward. He went through with it. And God honored that. Again, you look at the life of Moses. Now he's got to go confront Pharaoh, the ruler of the empire of Egypt, who can put him to death instantaneously, who could hurt and destroy his life. And there's a genuine fear, but what did Moses do? In courage, he faced his fear, he went in, he confronted sin, he, he addressed Pharaoh, he spoke on God's behalf, he did the righteous thing as he should, and what did God do? God, God honored his courage. God blessed his bravery, God protected him, God was with him, and God helped him still to prosper in what he was asked to do because he exercised courage. Another great example, young David, early in his life, 1 Samuel 17, even before he became a battle-hardened soldier, 1 Samuel 17, you know the story. Young David there confronting the giant Goliath. Goliath is there, this giant of a soldier, and all the rest of the soldiers in the army of Israel, they're intimidated, they're fearful, and David steps in. Who are you to defy the living God? And, and, and they look at it, what are you doing, little boy? Get out of here. But David was the only one who had enough courage to face his fear as even potentially probably a young teenage boy to step out believing that if he walked forward in courage, that somehow God would give him the capability that the battle belonged to the Lord. And he exercised what I see in that situation, not even so much what some may see as like, you know, physical courage to enter into battle, what I see David there exercising is moral courage, moral and spiritual courage, where he was able to say, you know what, what I can't deal with is watching sin and wrong be done and no one doing anything about it. And David had such a love for the Lord and such a strong conviction that he had such steel in his backbone and his moral fiber work that he said, you know what? I will walk forward in courage because it means a lot to me to see God honored. And I can't stand seeing people being mistreated and manipulated. And if no one else will step into the situation, I will. And I love that about that. And I love that picture of courage because my personal conviction and observation, and you're free to disagree, look, th there are numerous people... Uh, I wouldn't step into no boxing ring with them or get in some MMA cage with them or want to meet them in an alley, you know, or, or there are a lot of people who have courage in ways where, man, they'll, they'll, they could beat the tar out of somebody. But what I don't see a lot of, a lot of times is people who have moral courage. People will run at somebody a hundred miles an hour with, you know, pads on and crack heads on a football field. Oh, I'll, I'll tackle it. But those same people, they have absolutely no courage to do what's right in their personal life or to do what's moral rather than unethical or to do what's right in their marriage or their family. They have courage in a physical sense. To me, I'd rather be called a sissy and have courage in a moral sense because to me, that's the kind of courage that really matters. To have the courage to do the right thing, that is a whole different type of courage. Judges chapter 6, Gideon, same way intimidated, fearful, God's calling him to do something, and he's nervous, and he calls him, look, you mighty man of value, but he pushes past his fears. 
and God honors his courage. The book of Daniel, Daniel's a great example of courage. Remember, Daniel in chapter one resolves not to defile himself with all the wine and the king's delicacies when everyone else is, but Daniel saw that as what? Compromise. We're back to the moral courage thing. And Daniel said, you know what? I don't care what everyone else is doing, even though I have access to do this, I wanna honor God. And Daniel takes a stand and others follow his bravery. His bravery inspires others to do the same thing when they see him stand for righteousness. Then again, in chapter six, they outlaw praying. If anyone's caught praying, tossed into the lion's den, death, against the law, you can't pray anymore. And what does David do? Or what does Daniel do? He exercises courage. He does what's morally and spiritually right, and his inner conviction drives him to say, you know what? This is a non-negotiable. I'm tying together multiple sets. That's a non-negotiable. You will not tell me that I cannot pray to my God. You're not going to tell me I can't honor God, and he exercises the courage to follow through with what's right and, again, inspires many other people. Billy Graham made this statement. It's a great quote regarding uh, the subject of courage. I want you to listen to it. He said this, Billy Graham, Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. Boy, is that good? Courage is contagious. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. You know, when we come to the New Testament, I think one of the great examples beyond, obviously, our Lord Jesus in humanity, Paul the Apostle, continually showing courage. I mean, this guy faced intimidation after risk, after hardship, and Jesus often spoke to him about those realities. Acts 18, he said, Paul, don't be afraid. Speak. Don't keep silent. I'm with you. No one will attack you to hurt you. I have many people in this city. And how many times Paul could have gotten intimidated and backed off? How frustrated, remember, Paul became when young John Mark, it seems in a lack of courage, started out with the missionary team. And for some reason, either things got hard or he got afraid and he turned around and he abandoned the team and he went home and it seemed it caused hardship. That's what caused Paul and Barnabas to split company later, remember? Because Paul was frustrated. And Paul said, we can't have people who aren't going to have courage working with us. This isn't going to work. Paul so many times exercised courage in the right way. And let me say in connection to that, guys, as kind of a, a wrap up here, we live, if you have not noticed, in an evil world with corrupt people who are becoming very bold and extremely aggressive in their evil. And so because of that, that is why with the Lord's conviction, I say to you this morning, we need brave men. We need brave men with conviction who have courage for God and for truth, who will stand up and do what's right when other people are being cowards and will not do the right thing. We need men who trust the Lord, who will not flounder, and when it's hard and scary and there are obstacles, determined to carry out their God-given duty as a male, as a man, to walk forward, to disregard their fear, to press forward in faithfulness. The last verse I put in your notes there is Ezra chapter 10, and it was a time when there was great moral compromise, sin was being tolerated, it was causing issues, and courageous leadership was going to be the only solution to solve the problem and course correct. And one of the men exhorted Ezra, saying to him, Ezra, 
arise, for this matter is your responsibility. We are also with you. Be of good courage and do it. Another translation says it this way. Get up, Ezra, for it is your duty to tell us how to proceed in setting things straight. We're behind you, but be strong and take action. Boy, perhaps that is a word from the Lord for one or some or all of us this morning to realize sometimes the reason courage is necessary for us as men is because the matter is our responsibility. It's our responsibility to exercise courage and walk forward. And by God's grace, let me tell you the quickest path to courage is to ask Jesus to baptize you with the power of his Holy Spirit because that's what gives cowardly men boldness and courage. Peter denied the Lord three times. When the power of the Holy Spirit came upon his life, he received supernatural power in a way that he became bold as a lion. You don't have to just work up courage. The power of the Holy Spirit coming upon you will give you a supernatural boldness to be both loving but also to be bold and to be courageous in a healthy and a proper way. Let's stand together, guys, and let's pray. Father, we do humbly thank you for this morning and the fact that even as, Lord, weak men, that you are able to empower us despite our weaknesses, despite our flaws, despite our fears, to be able to walk in ways that are courageous and healthy. And we recognize, Lord, in the word of God, in all around us in world history, that there are times when whether personally or with our families or in our jobs or our societies or even in national situations when courage is essential. And so we're asking, Lord, help us. Give us the conviction and the courage inwardly to face our fears and do what's right whenever it is necessary. And Lord, we ask as a group of men that you would cause your spirit to fall afresh upon us and that Jesus, you would baptize us with the power of the Holy Spirit to have the love and the boldness to be the men that you want us to be. And we thank you for what you're able to do in and through us, Lord, by your grace. And we ask these things in agreement together as Jesus' name and everyone said. Amen. Amen. Hey, just a quick reminder, guys, if you did not get the uh, order sheet, if you want to order a t-shirt, if you could take care of that this morning uh, so we can get that done and we'll try and get all that reconciled for the last session to bring the t-shirts back to you.